Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the fifth episode of Assets Anonymous, your 12-step podcast to get grounded in reliability basics and create a culture of continuous improvement with your team. I'm your host, Tom Wilk, the Chief Editor of Plant Services, and I'm pleased to be joined today with George Williams and Joe Anderson of Reliability X, which aims to bridge the gap between operations and maintenance through holistic reliability focused on plant performance. Guys, welcome back. Thanks for having us. Well, you know, so far you've walked us through the first four steps of Assets Anonymous, understanding reactivity and proactivity, and then understanding what the circle of fire is and how to become a fire marshal to handle that. And those four steps have led us here to step five, which is knowing where you stand. Um, this is something which uh, Plant Services is fully on board with, of course. Uh, you've published articles with us talking about the importance of knowing the maturity of your plant team. Uh, we're focusing this year, next year especially on topics like self-assessments. Um, but George, could you explain to us uh, what the importance is at this point in the Assets Anonymous process? Why is knowing where you stand a crucial point in this? So the first four episodes really focused on a broader understanding of reactivity and proactivity. And I think this is the first step in taking some action, right? So the first four episodes were kind of knowledge-based. Uh, and today we're going to talk about, well, how do I know what to do? And in order to know what to do, there's a couple of key factors <laughs> beyond the technical capability of doing those things. You have to know where you stand and our subsequent episode, where you're going, um, really helps create the strategy and the direction for you to move into a more proactive state. So for me, knowing where you stand is, is it's a never ending cycle. Um, it's, you know, in, in my previous life, we had lots of sites that varied in their maturity. And I used to explain to them that the goal is not everybody necessarily be at the same level. The winner is not who is, is further along in maturity. The winner is who closes the gap the most, who, who takes effort and, and puts, puts uh, knowledge to action. And so for me, knowing where you stand is the start of all of those things. It's really a slap in the face sometimes, but, uh, but we need that. Um, yeah, Joe, your thoughts on the importance of the plant understanding where they are before the journey begins? You can't begin a journey if you don't know where you are, right? And so the hardest thing for people is to understand first what right looks like. And then second, where they compare to what right looks like so they can begin the journey um, towards that direction. You know, and the thing is, is that you assess, you close some gaps, you reassess, and you just continue that cycle over and over and over again. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, and being honest is difficult for some people. Uh, because the mentality today is to look green, not red. But your goal is is to find the red and go after the red. And typically, in most organizations, that red is low-hanging fruit. So it's quick wins. It's, it's an easy driver to get people engaged in the success and get them off the fence, being fence sitters and getting them to jump in. So... Um, so understanding that and, and assessing honestly, uh, I think is the key 
to this whole thing. So. You bring up a great point in saying honesty, Joe. I think one of the hardest things to do is to absorb that information um, and put your ego aside, right? Uh, There are going to be areas that you can improve upon. And in some cases, they may be eye-opening areas. And regardless of your position in the company, you should take it as an opportunity and not as a judgment. And I think that's one of the critical pieces of knowing where you are. Well, when you lack systems and processes and you start assessing, your default is to automatically blame people and say, well, these people aren't doing this and these people, you know, should be doing that. And that isn't the point. The point is, is do you have a system and do you have processes to build that system so that you can plug people in and be successful? Um and when you're not honest about it and you lack systems and processes, which we've seen in most organizations, then people get the blame. We say, well, this operator is better than this one. The question is, is why? Why is this one better? Some people are self-driven, so of course they're going to be better. Some people aren't, but if you give them the skills necessary, they can compete with the best of them. And instead of blaming them, assess why it is you're in that situation. Is it the fact that you quit investing in people, which is part of it, you know? Mm-hmm. And so we tend to be talent reliant, right? I mean, yeah. when we, when we have a great operator on a specific shift or a specific line, that line does well, but at, to Joe's point, why is that not replicated? And it's, it's not so much teach them what this operator knows. It's documenting that process. And I think people, devalue what systems and processes do for the organization, right? If, if all you have are people in place, then you are talent reliant. And that's not a good place to be, especially in today's environment where people just up and leave and, and it's difficult to replace them. Or you can't find help or any of those things, right? We always look at the McDonald's system as the system to have, Right. You to bring people out, there's a cheeseburger on the little touch panel when you touch the cheeseburger, right? So you're you're doing everything you can to mistake proof the the system so that you can plug anybody into it and the system works. Whether you get a cheeseburger in California or you get a cheeseburger in New York City from McDonald's, they're pretty much the same you know what you're getting when you go there mm-hmm. right and that's how your system should operate it should have that level of consistency and it shouldn't be relying on people you guys are bringing something out that i think is really interesting which is the topic is knowing where you stand so it's a sort of personal topic of course people need to know where they stand in terms of these uh these maintenance initiatives and yet a lot of the proof in showing that people do know where they stand isn't with the people. It's actually with the processes in place that everyone can align to. Um, we're not talking about the binder on the shelf. Uh, we're talking about simply the existence of a way of doing things that's documented, not only that, but also documented to work instead of just documented because that's what we did 40 years ago or 30 years ago. Um, it's an interesting way to think about it. Well, anyone that's gone through the assessment process, whether they do that internally or they hire a, a vendor to help, 
the, the process of the assessment itself should be looking at some critical areas. Mm-hmm. Does a process exist? Is it followed? All come before, is it any good? Right. <laughs> and then you assess if it's good using the data and, and information from the plant performance mm-hmm. uh, and, and whether or not they're seeing failures or whether or not they're performing well. But the first two questions are always, does a process exist and, and is it being followed? Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes processes exist, but you know, they were developed 10 years ago and no one follows them. So do they get a great score for the process existing? No, they do not. Um, and sometimes the process mm-hmm. exists, but it's terrible. So no one actually follows it. Mm-hmm. And same thing, the, the score is going to end up low. So in order to achieve very well and consistently, the processes need to exist. There need to be systems that support those processes. Uh, and you have to be able to measure the behaviors inside that process. So the assessment process is really looking at not only at what the opportunity in the plant is, because you know our assessment process, at least for us, includes a loss analysis in the manufacturing space or um, the assessment of the operational practices. Uh, but also an assessment of whether or not systems and processes exist that support the people that execute them. Which is something that you have to, one, if you're doing it internally, you have to know the right questions to ask and how to ask them Mm -hmm. um, to get that information out. Um, And two, if you hire an outside firm, you need to make sure that you have some way of validating how thorough the assessment is. I'll give you an example. You you have two types, right? You have one that's looking at action and denoting whether or not they are doing what they say they're doing or or they're not doing, right? And you have another one that's a check the box type. So what I mean by asking the right questions, if I say on my assessment, do I have a planner, right? versus am I planning? It's two different questions, right? And then you can assess how you're planning. If you have a planner, that's great. That doesn't mean anything, right? I mean, but what they'll do is, is people check that box and say, I have a planner. I have PDM. I have this. We're okay. And it's like, no, are the tools being utilized properly? It's not if you have it, it's if you have it and are they utilized properly, right? And so you have to be really cognizant when you're assessing as to whether you're asking the right questions or not as well. So it's just a word of caution here. Interesting. Well, and, you know, I, I'm thinking of that book that's sort of making the rounds among our community, the Checklist Manifesto, where it's so important to have uh, uh, a checklist in place in the form of a process where the fact of a process will improve performance by X percent. The, the, the Delta is striking. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm curious about if you think that there's any particular uh, point, uh, part of the maintenance function that should be driving this process uh, of, of getting everything documented, making the processes available to people. Uh, does the, should, is, can that be anyone in the maintenance team from frontliner to supervisor? Uh, is this an, sort of initiative where you really kind of get, get the plant manager or ops VP on board to help drive it down? Uh, what, what have you seen? It's a loaded question. So the short answer is it can be anyone. 
we see got we see folks like um like Paul Crocker at the Kansas City Board of Public Utilities, a maintenance supervisor, and he, he drives reliability throughout the entire organization from the supervisor. <clears throat> so it's not limited to someone in senior leadership. However, senior leadership, their entire role is to make sure those processes and systems are in place so mm-hmm. that they can be successful. Mm-hmm. Um, so if they're not doing that, then, then obviously we strongly encourage them to understand where they stand today uh, and what gaps exist so they can close them and create some consistency in how they deliver. Mm-hmm. A lot of the problem is, is, which is an elephant in the room that no one wants to address, but a lot of the senior management got into the role they did by ignoring those processes. Mm-hmm. Um, and acting like they did something that they didn't in order to get promoted right so that's the politics that live within the corporate environment and so (laughs) having them do the very thing they didn't that would expose them becomes a very touchy and difficult task okay so there's there's times where there's a lot of great leadership teams out there that would support it and there's times where Um, I'll give you an example from my own career Mm -hmm. is you end up creating enemies that you didn't even know you had, especially when you're at the mid level, Mm. right? Me as a maintenance manager, I'm just trying to do the right thing and do well. And my initiative that I'm bringing to the facility is getting great results. The problem is, is those great results are countering the upper leadership folks initiative that said they could save, you know, $3 million by doing X, Y, and Z. And what I'm doing, I'm doing ABC and it's contradicting unbeknownst to me. I didn't even know it existed, right? Mm -hmm. This initiative, (laughs) I'm contradicting it. And so now I have this gentleman who got promoted based on the great savings and things he stole the company, he doesn't like me at all. Mm-hmm. And so he's up at the top, bad mouthing me to everyone. And I don't even know the guy exists. Right. Right. But my results got put on the radar because I'm now the number one facility in the organization and more profitable and doing a lot better. And so uh, that was a moment that helped me become more self aware. Mm. Me, I, I just came in and I did my thing, you mm-hmm. know, and <clears throat> I wasn't aware of things like that until I got hit by it. Right. Right. I wasn't being told, no, everything's going great. And then all of a sudden I hit a brick wall. Mm-hmm. And so I'm trying to understand, well, where did all the support go? And where did I, you know and there was a brick, there was a brick wall there all along which wasn't which you weren't even aware of at the time well yeah. when your results outdo the results of those above you that mm-hmm. got into the position because they made a big promise of this great initiative that was going to change the organization and it's not working and yours is you're exposing the fact that they don't know what they're doing or they don't know how to implement it um, and so you just got to be, be careful there. So knowing, 
knowing where your stand goes beyond the technical aspects of asset management. It also includes your environment, right? Joe and I, Joe and I talk a lot about, um, we did, we did a presentation called it's not you, but it's you. Um, and, and the premise behind that is, you know, if you're not seeing the support you need, then there are other environmental factors to that. Maybe you don't understand your boss's motivation. Maybe you don't understand the political atmosphere of, of the organization. Uh, but they're all things that you have to be cognizant of in this space. And all things that need to be overcome if you're on a program like the one we're doing with these podcasts where you're thinking through, okay, let's take that broad view and now let's really dive into the more self-reflective self-assessment part of this. Um, What I learned from all that is adopt the current language, but continue to do the right things. hmm. So what I mean by that is, you know, if, if for example, um, they do total quality management, that's their system of doing things. I'll just adopt the language of total quality management mm-hmm. and call it whatever you want me to call it, but I'm going to continue to do those things so that I'm showing support for the system mm-hmm. and I'm being a team player, right? But I'm also doing what I know is right to do. And right. To, me, to me, to do maintenance the right way it's not just the right thing to do. It's an ethical thing to do mm-hmm. because cool. of safety, quality, lowest cost, all those types of things to me are ethical things. So if you're not, you know, if you don't truly believe in them, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. them. <laughs> well, let's, let's close this podcast with a question on knowledge transfer. And it seems to be a relevant topic to knowing where you stand because of the way that you've sort of mapped out the space where you got to understand what processes are in place. You got to understand what, what the team is doing and why they're doing it. Um, when it comes to documenting where you stand, uh, when it comes to stashing these processes in place, uh, there's a lot of ways that can be done. What are you seeing as sort of best practice at plants when it comes to either a combination of binders plus phone-friendly directions plus putting the, the job plans in the, in the CMMS. Um, it's, 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 a, it's a big question, but what, what are you seeing people who succeed uh, do when it comes to making sure these, plant, these processes are available? So there, that varies by industry and regulations. Um, so we'll just kind of set that aside, right? Some, some regulated industries require specific approaches to that. Mm-hmm. Um, it, if it's related to actual maintenance task work, whether it's performed by an operator or a maintenance technician, it should be coming out uh, of the system, of, of your CMMS system. Uh, and I, I am personally, I prefer to have that embedded in the data of the system and not as an attachment, um, just my personal preference. For standard operating procedures or CILs, clean inspects, uh, things that are center lining, those types of things should be mounted directly at the line. They, the key to everything is, is accessibility. Mm-hmm. The key to all of those things, proceduralizing things, is the accessibility of the information. It, it cannot take you know a half hour to go retrieve a document associated with what to do with a piece of equipment. I mean, 
if it is an operator's duty on a daily basis or a chain per changeover basis, it should be mounted directly to the asset. Um, just like your lockout tagout procedure should, should be mounted directly to the asset. If it is a job plan associated with the maintenance organization that requires parts and, and maybe specifications, then that stuff should be stored within the CMMS and be part of the overall work pack. All right. I think um, step one is just get somebody to do something <laughs> with the knowledge transfer, right? I mean, anywhere, yeah. Well, I mean, you think about, I don't care if it's a notebook, if it's a bunch of sticky pads, right? There's not really a best practice per se around it. The best practice is to document the knowledge not really how to document the knowledge. The point is, is that it's got to exist somewhere. Mm. But like George said, accessibility is key. Mm -hmm. I could have, you know, 6,000 page document on a file of my own thumb drive. If it's not shared with everyone else. The other piece is, is the thing that kind of gets me at times with the knowledge transfer is why aren't you cross training folks? to learn what this person at least to some degree what they know right instead we want them all to download their brain onto an iDrive so that we have it for safekeeping mm -hmm. why wouldn't you have an apprentice or you know the you know the lowest tenured person sit and spend a year walking side by side with the senior person if you know that's going to be leaving right mm -hmm. trying to capture everything and <clears throat> to me it's the true knowledge transfer comes from employee to employee not on a piece of paper which is great to have but it's always there in case you need it but you'll never use it again mm -hmm. where if i transferred all what i could transfer into other people then i don't have to worry about it so much i'm not losing as much um if the senior person leaves it's a fair point we 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 see this all the time you, you have folks that are literally announcing to everybody the countdown of their retirement and the organization is doing absolutely nothing until about two weeks before they leave then they start posting the position to replace the individual yeah <laughs> you know we can't spend six months overlapping we're, right. we're just kind of like you know it's just gone the knowledge is gone yep and you're, you're losing that important sense of where you are uh because the way things that are being done aren't going to stop with that person leaving it's just do do you know what that what effect that person had on the team and, and on everyone yeah and I, I mean that's all part of knowing where you stand I mean, knowing where you stand includes your organization. And if you have people that are a year away from retirement and you have no strategy whatsoever mm -hmm. to, to disseminate the information they've learned over the past 30 years, well, then that's on you. I mean, that, you know, it's not you, but it's you. <laughs> you <Yeah>. You've <laughs> got you've to figure out a strategy and convince your leadership team that you have to hire now yeah. so that you don't get stuck behind the eight ball later. And if they're not sure what it's worth, just, you know, figure out the asset that this person happens to be the resident expert at repairing. And when that goes down, what it's going to take 
somebody who, who lacks any skill whatsoever or knowledge of that asset to get the, the most critical piece back up and running, what's that cost the company if it's down for a day or two days or three days? Because that's the value of having them shadow somebody for six months. Yeah. Well, I, of the, all the steps you've mapped out, I, I, I do think this is one of the trickiest to do. Uh, the trick, uh, deceptively simple on the surface, know where you stand. Well, of course, I stand right here where I'm standing, but it's, it's, it's a lot wider than that. So thank you both for mapping that out. And uh, we'll be back in episode six to discuss not where you're standing, but knowing where you're going. Thanks, guys.